the dust will settle and I think 99.99% of projects will fail and they'll realize that, you know what, we shouldn't have spent $5 million on that R&D project. We should have just downloaded a free database from the internet, open source, and uh, yeah, lesson learned, move on. This is Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your host Ferris, that's me, and Gordon from Coin Compass. We're Bitcoin advisors and educators supporting business and individual investors to safely buy, manage, and control their private keys, Bitcoins. This podcast is strictly educational and is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Full disclaimer in the show notes and at the end of this episode. One. Go for it. Hi, Gord. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. It's been a while, a couple of weeks since we uh, last potted. Yeah, that's what Christmas and New Year's does to our people's work schedules. Exactly. So, one of the phrases we've heard in the last couple of years is blockchain, not Bitcoin. Now, what does that mean? So, I think this came about around about 2014, maybe 2015, but certainly got popular in 2016 when people were kind of excited about Bitcoin and its technology, but they weren't really excited about Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency. So they kind of were thinking perhaps because they couldn't control it, maybe it was from banks or governments or individuals and companies. So they were interested in technology, but because they couldn't control it, they sort of said, we like the Bitcoin technology behind it, the blockchain, but we don't necessarily like Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency. So this meme of blockchain, not Bitcoin, kind of came around and sort of hit its peak in, I guess, 2016, where every single company in the world were doing R&D and some sort of research project on how they could incorporate blockchain into their business or company in some way. Mm -hmm. And what's happened since? Have they successfully managed to do that or what have been the projects that have succeeded or failed? I don't really work in the enterprise space. I'm working for myself, so I'm not really the person to ask and have the finger on the pulse, but I, I assume that basically every single, at least mini business, has had some sort of dabbling with blockchain, whether it's building a full-on supply chain or some sort of records on the blockchain or just you know a, a one-hour presentation in the staff room and everything in between. So I think that people sort of um, got sucked in a little bit with the hype. But now there are certainly several projects that whether they're separate blockchains, like different altcoins, like Ethereum and all the rest, there's probably about 3,000 at the moment plus, or whether they're somehow trying to not even use the cryptocurrency of a blockchain and simply using the blockchain itself without any monetary value or token. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of hype because I think I remember Heinz changed their name to Heinz Blockchain and the stock price went up 400% or something ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Long Island Ice Tea, I think, did the same. That's what it was. Yeah, thank you. Um, right, so, one of the things that I heard is that using the blockchain will be easier to trace the origin of certain products. You know, for example, you can figure out exactly where your banana came from. It would be a lot easier for inventory tracking. And is that true or is that just part of the hype? So I'm going to try and remain uh, neutral and a, 
a pragmatist with this. One of the arguments is really from the Bitcoin, uh, what we call maximalist ideology of unless it's Bitcoin or unless it uses Bitcoin, it's totally useless and worthless, which I think is quite toxic and destructive. The other end of the spectrum is that, you know, Bitcoin's too slow, Bitcoin's uh, too expensive, blah, 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 which by the way is by design. Therefore, Bitcoin is kind of useless. So both extremes are kind of silly, in my opinion. And I think the answer maybe lies somewhere in between. I guess the, the issue comes down to, and I know we're, we're beating a dead horse here. So if you want to listen back to some of our previous episodes, especially the white paper, where we looked at the abstract and the episode on private versus public blockchains. So we're not going to rehash that. The invention of Bitcoin is that it is a database. And yes, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it a distributed ledger, distributed ledger technology, whatever. It is a database. But the ingenious idea behind it is that it's a database that you can only append to. So kind of like a spreadsheet where you have values in a spreadsheet, you can only add rows to the spreadsheet. You can't actually add anything. You can't, sorry, you, can, you can't actually edit anything before the row. So if you're at row 500 of the spreadsheet, you can only add data at row 501, you can actually edit it. And what a lot of people miss is that Bitcoin technology is actually a, a group of several existing and a few new inventions. And some of this technology we've had for ages, like 34 years, when you talk about public and private keys, when we talk about the hash functions and hash algorithms, proof of work, for example, they're all technologies that have been around for a while. But two, I guess, major new technology, the blockchain being one of them, and Nakamoto consensus, so that's how the network actually decides on what is valid and, and what is invalid. I guess the blockchain kind of takes the cake in terms of innovation and marketability. And so everyone's kind of running with this whole blockchain thing. But we may be going down a rabbit, here, rabbit hole here and we may need to edit this out. But the innovation of the blockchain is, is quite amazing. But if, for example, I created a new version of Bitcoin tomorrow, I could have exactly the same, and I call it Bitcoin Gordon, I, I could have exactly the same properties as Bitcoin. 21 million, a fixed cap supply, um, all the same code, the Nakamoto consensus, the blockchain, blah, 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 blah. But people could actually rewrite over that blockchain with other miners and the reason behind that is because it's not because of the blockchain but bitcoin gets these kind of emergent properties like censorship resistant like decentralization and other properties because of the proof of work algorithm so what makes bitcoin special and unique even though the blockchain is kind of amazing it's actually the network effect or the hashing power of the network the proof of work that goes mm -hmm. into it that actually gives Bitcoin its security. So a lot of the arguments yeah. are like, Bitcoin is slow. Bitcoin might be secure. And by the way, the, the, there was a study that came out the other day that said, you know, even if Google pointed every single one of its servers towards the Bitcoin network, it would still be less than 1%. So the Bitcoin network mm. is huge in terms of computational power, but it's not the blockchain that gives it those emergent properties. Like censorship resistant, it is the proof of work. And that's what a lot of people, I guess, don't really get in terms of let's just build a new blockchain 
or let's even build a blockchain without any monetary incentive. Let's change it from proof of work to proof of stake or some other system. Mm-hmm. And what you've kind of done is kind of said, well, an airplane, you know, the, the most amazing thing about an airplane is it has wings. So let's just put wings onto everything else because, you know, all an airplane can do is fly. And to me, an airplane flying is a pretty good use case. Um, I don't need to put rings, wings on a train or a car or whatever. Who knows? Maybe that will happen in the future. But I guess people are sort of looking at these technologies like the blockchain and saying, well, what else can we adapt them for? So, Gordon, if I'm understanding this correctly, so essentially the blockchain is just a spreadsheet. But what makes Bitcoin um, so valuable is that you've got so many nodes, computers, people, that are eyeballing that spreadsheet and confirming new entry. So you can go in and add that 501st row, and anyone can add that in, but that row is not confirmed or needs to be confirmed by everyone that is part of the Bitcoin blockchain. So that's what makes the Bitcoin blockchain so valuable and so strong. It's kind of like in, you know, the pyramid analogy we've used in the past. Whereas any corporation can just come along, create its own blockchain, but the power behind it, that network, is not there. It could just be their own IT department, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there are probably computer scientists cringing when we say Bitcoin is just a spreadsheet, but we'll let that one slide. Bitcoin, <laughs> as you said, um, is an append-only system. And you're right, anyone can add 501. So, for example, I could uh, download the Bitcoin blockchain and add my own transactions and give myself you know, $10 million. But the problem is I'm going to be out of consensus with every single other person on the Bitcoin network. Sorry, to be nuanced, every single miner on the Bitcoin network verifying mm-hmm. transactions. So I have a spreadsheet where the transaction at, say, row 501 gives myself you know, 10 million Bitcoins. But, you know, 999,999 other miners don't have that particular transaction. So it's not, even though I'm using the blockchain, I've created my own sort of separate Bitcoin in effect, not because I've altered the blockchain, but because I'm out of consensus with the rest of the Bitcoin network. So that is, that's kind of the nuance and the point of what you made. It's really the proof of work, which gives Bitcoins its, you know, amazing properties. Yeah. So with everything that they're trying to do with blockchain, like I say, we're just adding wings onto different infrastructures. Do you see any industry that Bitcoin could disrupt? Because it, it, it is disrupting finance, global finance. But is there any other thing that it actually could potentially in the future disrupt any other industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that. Any experiment, and I think Bitcoin has gone beyond an experiment now, but there are certainly other experiments of other blockchains and using trying to disrupt other industries. I think to clarify, though, there are really two sort of main pathways, and one is to use Bitcoin for your project. So whether that's to use the Bitcoin main chain or build some sort of what is called a side chain or a separate ecosystem that goes on top of the side of Bitcoin or to create a, a, an entirely different blockchain. So for example, I'll give two quick use cases. For example, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast, a Ford could create their own blockchain without any need for a token because you know they don't need it. 
And so that would be a private blockchain or what we call enterprise blockchain that Ford and its vendors and its suppliers use. And that's completely separate to Bitcoin. It may have downloaded the Bitcoin code and massaged and changed or whatever that, but it's essentially an entirely different system. Or what you could do, and I think a lot of projects are starting to do this, is say, well, we don't need to build our own blockchain. We don't need to create a whole new monetary system, a token. What we can do is we can use the Bitcoin blockchain, but perhaps because the Bitcoin transactions are quite slow, only once every 10 minutes, because transactions are quite expensive, we'll build a separate system on the side or on the top, for example, Lightning Network that we've discussed before, mm -hmm. or a side chain like Liquid, for example, as well. Mm -hmm. And what we can do is we can sort of at various intervals, and there are different ways to do it, we can sort of peg in or sort of stamp our records onto the Bitcoin blockchain and sort of use that immutability of the Bitcoin blockchain, but not having to put every single transaction or every single document, if it's a document system, mm -hmm. on the Bitcoin blockchain. We sort of use our own system and then perhaps, you know, once every hour or maybe there are different technologies we can do all kinds of things that perhaps we won't go into now that a document managing system could do something like that. And um, they're kind of the two ways to go. So the first way to create a whole new blockchain, I kind of don't get it. You may as well just use a database. So Ford just uses an existing database. Database technology has been around for 70, 80 years. And hey, you're gonna get a million transactions a second with traditional databases. They're gonna be faster. They're gonna be probably arguably more secure. They're certainly going to be cheaper. So why use that than use a Bitcoin blockchain that can only do seven transactions a second? Because what the Bitcoin blockchain gives you is really security and immutability and the uncensorable nature of your transactions. If you don't need that, then you don't need a blockchain. So I don't know if this is a good example or not, but I think anyone listening under the age 35 might not be aware that just 10, 12 years ago, if you wanted to go online, you would have to make sure that no one was using the telephone inside the house. And when I say telephone, I mean a landline plugged into the wall. And then you would go through this, you know, funny signal. So when you were online, you had to make an announcement, I'm going online, so no one would use a phone. And very, very slow to just download one website. So even though today we're still using the internet, um, the foundations is, you know, basically going back to what we are. So can we make the analogy that Bitcoin today is still that same process where it is, as you say, by design quite slow, but we're building on top of that premise. Whereas, you know, we're kind of expecting Bitcoin to be able to be where we are today. And that, yep, I can watch Netflix on my mobile phone by 3G. And I think it was frustration as Bitcoin is why can't it do that? Well, Bitcoin is still in those early days where you need to announce I'm going online. And these side chains that you're talking about, that is where the future will be Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. I remember uh, trying to download uh, pictures of Cindy Crawford and they took like at least 30 seconds on a modem. Um, that's that's, <laughs> that's the same Crawford showing their age. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually bugged my parents so much, we actually installed a separate phone line in their house so that uh, I could use the modem exclusively. But anyway, that's another story for another time. 
I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're sort of, and, and other people use this analogy, we're in the 1980s of the internet, you know, when in the 1980s, uh, no one kind of knew what the internet could be. It's kind of like these connected computers and they could at that time send emails to each other. Big deal. Who cares? Like what, why would we ever need the internet sort of thing? So I think we kind of can't see the forest from the trees at the moment. And perhaps, yeah, in yeah. the next 10 years we'll have, actually not perhaps, I think we really will have this amazing technology. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of non-Bitcoin blockchains and projects out there that are amazing. They're trying to do this. They're, they're really on the cutting edge and of experimentation. The only problem that I have with any of them is that if they try and compete with Bitcoin on money, it's kind of like, you know, your your operating system, your Android or iOS and some of that. If there's a bug, then it's like, well, you know, too bad. Doesn't really matter. We'll release a patch next week or even next month or some of that. But yeah. Bitcoin is software. If there's a bug in Bitcoin and you've lost all your Bitcoin, that's kind of a big deal. You can't just reboot your Bitcoin or reboot your computer and everything's fine. So Bitcoin is software at the end of the day. So it needs to be slow and steady, which is why I think Bitcoin's yeah. taking the right approach. Yeah, doing all the plumbing, all the uh, infrastructure mm. at layer zero to keep it simple. And complexity is the enemy of security. So I think Bitcoin by design is slow and it's slow also not just in transactions and block time every 10 minutes, but it's slow in terms of development because they want to get it right. You've only got one chance to get it right. If there's a bug in Bitcoin that inflates the total supply, which has happened in other coins, <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Monero and Zcash, um, that's an enormous problem. I mean, you've got a problem with your iPad, you reboot it, big deal. But you've got a problem with Bitcoin, it's game over. There's only one chance to actually get this right. And one thing I want to say there is that, yeah, when you're saying it's slow, that is insider talk. Um, people think Bitcoin is slow when you're comparing it to some other cryptocurrencies. But we're comparing it to everyday fiat. Bitcoin is fast. Like, you know, I recently had to give money from New Zealand to Australia, and I've got a brokerage account, and that took three days. Most times, it took a lot longer than that. And this is two countries where you've got the same banks operating, same language and everything. It can take three, five days to give money across. So when we're talking 10 minutes on Bitcoin, that's not slow compared to your orthodox alternative to fiat currency. And it's totally. the in the world. To a, to a mobile phone, not a bank account. Sure. So when we say Bitcoin is slow, <laughs> most people would experience Bitcoin as lightning fast. It's slow compared to using your credit card at point of sale at a merchant. But it's not slow when you're moving money or funds from one person to another. Yeah, I guess I'm living in my own bubble here. It's slow compared to other <laughs> cryptocurrencies. You know, there's every single day there's a cryptocurrency come out and like Bitcoin's got a block time of 10 minutes. You know, your transaction can only be uh, confirmed within 10 minutes. We've created this new amazing blockchain and every single block is five seconds. And it's like, you know, who cares? Uh, <laughs> Bitcoin is slow by design. So, Gordon, we, just to summarize um, everything here, we had a lot of hype early on where people thought, yeah, blockchain is going to change the world. But the same thing with the internet in the 2000s, everyone thought that you know, a web page could do so many things beyond just being a point of contact or a point of sale. We saw that hype with the ICO bubble in 2017. 
So there is a lot of potential, but we don't know what it is yet. We have some ideas, but it's not going to be working on the main blockchain. It's going to be like Lightning, where they create a sidechain. And we do recommend people listen to our Lightning um, podcast, um, and we even did a newsletter on it. So that goes into more depth about if you don't know what sidechains are and layer two are. So that's where we are. We see Bitcoin, the blockchain, that's really the only long-term blockchain that's going to stick around. Any businesses that want to work on blockchain, they're kind of going off track and missing what the premise of Bitcoin blockchain is. Yeah, I agree with that. But I will say, and perhaps other people listening to this are kind of cringing a little bit, there are some amazing projects that aren't looking at money and are looking at all kinds of other experiments like um, records Mm -hmm. on the blockchain and other things like that. I think they're valuable experiments. So I think that any sort of project that doesn't try to compete with Bitcoin and money, we've already kind of done that experiment and we've seen that it works, is really valuable. Now, some of them will fail. Actually, probably most of them will fail. Um, a lot of them don't need a blockchain, but, you know, let them, let them try. It's the same as, you know, as you mentioned with 2000, 2001. Um, some websites, sorry, some businesses need a website and it makes sense for Microsoft and big sort of businesses to have a website but you know mm-hmm. your local uh, Chinese restaurant down on the corner probably doesn't need to spend ten thousand dollars on a custom design website so I mean is that a waste of money perhaps um, does that enhance a business who knows but um, I think a lot of these projects are just bought into the hype but we'll see mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty excited to see the non non-monetary uses of blockchain technology and again, the side chains and the sort of layered solutions on top of it. And I think we've discussed before, um, I'm excited to see, uh, especially record management. I think that's one use case that really does make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, we, I think in the past we talked about university records. You have to trust someone. And if you're trusting a university to be genuine and having the original document, then you're trusting them anyway. Um, you could use some sort of system to hook into the blockchain to authenticate that. Now, blockchain is not a truth machine. At the moment, we can say it's used for money, um, but because we don't need to trust you know, a third party or third entity, it's a trustless system. But if we're going to trust an organization anyway, then, uh, yeah, definitely, we could definitely have some use cases. Um, I've gone on a little bit, but one of the last points that a lot of people bring up is uh, decentralized all the things. And usually decentralized means uh, creating a new blockchain. I don't think most things need to be decentralized. Most things don't need a blockchain. People are talking about the other day of uh, having Uber on the blockchain and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like you don't need Uber on the blockchain for a couple of reasons. And the number one reason is that, well, one, it's going to be slow. You've got transactions on the blockchain. And two, you're trusting Uber anyway. So you're trusting Uber and their payment system and they've got your email address, your password, and all that kind of stuff. And thirdly, why do I need my Uber from myself, from my home to the airport, to be visible on a public blockchain that just uh, hurts my privacy? So I think most projects don't need a blockchain. Some of them do. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of hype. And uh, if you can replace the word database with, uh, sorry, if you can replace the word blockchain with database, 
and it still makes sense, then you don't have blockchain. Yeah, yeah, no, that that makes us mean that we've big, the Bitcoin blockchain is basically showing it's a ledger showing I sent you X amount of Bitcoin, and there's proof of that. You can't negate it, you can't deny it. It's like the pyramid; it's built in. But with like Uber, with you know Chinese food, with a coffee. Why do I need to keep a record of that transaction? I don't. If I'm buying a house, if I'm buying an expensive car, a yacht, then yes, I do want that recorded somewhere. But why do I? Yeah, why do I need that with any other aspect of my daily life? I don't. So, yeah, I do see your point there. But here's the nuance of it. Why do you think you can trust that transaction on the blockchain? So the Bitcoin transaction. Well, as we mentioned before, it's the um, transaction has been verified. By the large network, whereas why would I? Yeah, like you said, why would I trust a corporation with that? Yeah, I think it's in two parts. One, yeah, you're right; it's been verified, and there's proof of work, and there's several confirmations mm. behind that. Blah blah blah. But the second part, and most important part, is that in every single Bitcoin transaction, the input to the transaction is actually an output from a previous transaction. So you're not actually yeah. trusting any individuals, companies, third parties, or anything. It's a self-referential system in that I send you Bitcoin. Well, how does the Bitcoin network know that I have any Bitcoin to send? Well, in previous transactions, someone else or some entity has sent me Bitcoin. So the Bitcoin network doesn't rely on any human intervention. It's completely um, self-referential. So that's why you don't need to trust it. Yeah. Don't trust verify. Yeah. Okay. I was actually based on an old Russian custom called um, trust but check. It's don't trust, verify. I, I heard a Russian uh, idiom the other day, and you know how we say, like, don't put all your eggs in one basket? Well, the Russian idiom was like, mm-hmm. put all your eggs in the one basket, just guard it really well. I kind of like that. Yeah, I actually think that was, um, it was the economist who said that. Keynes. I think Keynes was the one who actually first said that. So put up, yeah, yeah, put a few eggs in one basket, watch them closely. closely. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, so, we, we could yeah. continue on this forever, um, but it's a it's good introduction. Blockchain or Bitcoin, yeah. it was a meme. And it was really a marketing thing. Every single company in the world was dabbling with blockchain yeah. technology. An IT guy or the CTO, whatever, convinced their CEO to drop, you know, thousands, mm. tens of thousands, hundred thousand worth of money to do an R&D project. So mm. I'll admit it was a bit of a scam. You know, it was a bit of a scam from these people to yeah. try to uh, generate work. And maybe even some have believed in it, but who knows. Um, the dust will settle and I think 99.99% of projects will fail and they'll realize that you know what, we shouldn't have spent $5 million on that R&D project. We should have just downloaded a free database from the internet, open source, and uh, yeah, lesson learned, move on. Do you think I learned a lesson? <laughs> no, actually, I don't. <laughs> it'll, it'll be something else. All right, I think that about does it for us. Uh, we could continue like this for hours, like it anyway. And I'll link a couple of Andreas Antonopoulos' videos, which are absolutely awesome, in the video description, especially the one where he talks about bananas on the blockchain. It's not comedy, uh, actually quite insightful. And a couple of analogies. 
from his as well. So, bananas from blockchain. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I want to give full attribution to him because a couple of examples he mentioned. So I'm not stealing his. Okay. Well, thanks everyone. Thanks, Ferris. Another one's in the can. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for explaining that, Gordon. You're welcome. And uh, next yeah. time, I'm going to come up with a more complicated, economic, global, geopolitical. <laughs> well, here's a flavor of the year, I think, geopolitics right now. So, yeah. All right, we'll catch you the next one. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for Bye. listening, everyone. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com/free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time. Disclaimer: Any content provided by Coin Compass or the Bitcoin Basics podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. Coin Compass or the Bitcoin Basics podcast will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.